Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you very much, as always, for being here. It's a week in which Arsenal have made a signing. That's right. We've got a brand new player. Fabio Vieira has come from Porto. We'll talk about that in a little bit with our guest coming up very, very shortly. And all the other transfer bits and pieces, ins and outs, even though there have been few of the latter and not enough of the former. But of course, the window isn't open too long, and there is still plenty of time to go this summer in order to get players in. Before we get on with the conversation today, just wanted to point you in the direction of something quite cool. I did a show during the week with Mike from the Gooners podcast on the Gooners podcast, but Mike, of course, is also the man behind Gooners versus Cancer, raising money for a very, very good cause. And they, over on their site, GoonersVCancer.com, uh, have got a very cool raffle going on. There's, uh, I think, maybe 100 tickets left. There's about a week to get your tickets. And it is an Arsenal replica shirt, a 1989 replica shirt, with the famous commentary on it, but also signed by the man involved in that last gasp goal that won us the title in 1989, uh, John Lukic, Lee Dixon, Michael Thomas, and Alan Smith. So if that is something you fancy putting on your wall... You could go to GoonersVCancer.com, GoonersVCancer.com. You can buy a ticket, enter the raffle, and who knows, you might well be the lucky one to win that uh, really cool prize. So uh, do check it out, GoonersVCancer.com. And of course, all the money goes to what is obviously uh, a very good cause as well. So check it out. All right, with me now on the Arsecast to discuss the ins and outs and the roundabouts of the transfer window so far, I'm joined by Charles Watts from Goal. I nearly forgot your name there, Charles, but you're right in front of me. <laughs> it's not Andrew. <laughs> I apologize for that, but look, uh, my mind went blank temporarily. Uh, how are you? I'm very well, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, are you maintaining your solid status as platinum tier this this transfer window? I have no idea. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. To be honest, I'm trying to do my very best not to even look at social media at the moment. <laughs> it's just yeah. these, these two months, it is just, yeah, it can be all consuming if you uh, focus too much on what's going on there. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's a bit of a message for your mind, so try yeah. and stay off it. So look, Arsenal have done a, a deal, a very um, significant deal in the transfer market. Uh, we know they brought in Marquinhos from Sao Paulo, but Fabio Vieira from Porto um, announced officially this week, I think it was around this time last week that we first got a sniff that something like this was going on, but he's here, 22 years of age, attacking midfield players. Some some thoughts on him as a player? Yeah, I mean, I can't give you too many as a player. I have to say I, do, I absolutely had no knowledge of him um, beforehand, and everything that I've kind of learned in the last week is kind of based on the YouTube videos doing the rounds and speaking to people, especially some people over in Portugal who I absolutely respect their football opinion. And mm. they all assure me that Arsenal have signed a very, very special player, very talented, who they all think is going to make a big impact in the Premier League. I mean, it was uh, one of those out-of-the-blue signings that you don't really get nowadays, um, especially for that sort of money. Um, so, of course, all of surprise, really, over in England. And But he does look like an exciting player and um, like I said, the people I've spoken to over in Portugal who uh, in and around football, you know, and I very much respect their opinion, they really do think he's something special. And he's, he, he sort of burst onto the scene with Porto, mm. had to bide his time a little bit. When he did get his opportunity, he really took it. And you kind of look at his numbers last season, 
know, very, very impressive, especially assist-wise. Yeah. I think in the top, I saw Orbino's tweet in the um, top sort of seven leagues of English football. He's got the best assist to minutes ratio in, in, of everyone from last season. So, you know, very, very impressive. And he just kind of fits that mould that you kind of look at as an Arteta player, I think, in that in that attack and... Um, and you kind of imagine him dovetailing with Odegaard and the added creativity that's going to bring mm. kind of behind, in the central areas behind the forwards. And it just, it feels like quite an exciting one. He might take time to settle. You know, he's coming to a new country, all of that. He does look a little bit slight, which I don't think necessarily is the worst thing. I mean, I think of Alex Leb, you know, you, you look like you could just blow him over. And yeah, he was just so good on the ball, such low centre of gravity. Defenders couldn't get near him. Mm. And so I don't think necessarily the physicality of him is, necessarily a problem although probably would like to see him muscle up a little bit yeah i think that's that's certainly something that they're going to work on a bit i think you have to you know have a a certain amount of physicality even though it's not the be all and the end all and you can look at someone like sandy cazorla um you know david silver bernardo silva man city who who are um similar ish kind of players physically but who thrived um in the premier league and you know, when you look at this signing, because this this summer, right, is about the attacking end of the pitch, because mm-hmm. Arteta has put in place um, his defensive structures, more or less. He's brought in the new goalkeeper that he wanted. There's a, another goalkeeper coming, as we know. But, of course, he brought in Ben White. Gabriel is there. He brought in Tommy Asu. He brought in some midfield players. He hasn't ever really done much from an attacking perspective in the transfer market since he joined. Willian, less said the better. Martin Odegaard, of course, who came in last season. But beyond that, he's never had to sign a striker or he's never been able to sign attacking players and I wonder what you think about the idea that someone like Fabio Vieira will go some way to changing the way Arsenal might play next season by being a bit more dominant and controlling games better you know his whole thing about um, how he wants to make 300,000 passes in the opposition half if you don't have the players to do it you can't do it so you go to the you know the um, the Rob Holding option when you're hanging on to a game and stick him stick him at the back and, and just try and hang on. Whereas if you keep the ball in the opposition half, it, it's much more difficult for them to score. So I wonder if that's what we're going to see this summer from uh, our Arsenal's transfer business, th- this kind of player profile. I would say so. And I think it's definitely a really good point. The whole, you know, moving away from the quick, let's throw Rob on for the last 20 minutes and try and see this game out. You know, Arteta yeah. doesn't want that. It's not his, his ethos. It's not what he wants. His football vision is is about. And he, you know, made that clear, that quote you said there. I think that was after the Watford game, wasn't it? Yeah. When there was a bit panic stations at the end when it really shouldn't have been. And the signings of players like Vieira it will certainly do that. You know, technically very, very gifted. Won't, doesn't give the ball away very often. You know, excellent passing ability. And when you kind of look at him and... Odegaard, especially in that role, I think Saka's very, you know, he's good in possession and getting better and better in that as well. He's very hard to get a ball off. And if Arsenal can dominate in possession and keep hold of the ball, then it's going to make those seeing out the last 20, 30 minutes a, a lot easier. And I mean, this is definitely the summer of the attack. There's no doubt about it. It has to be, you know, it, mm. it, going into this summer, we all knew it was it, you know, absolutely essential. And I think when you look at, you look at Vieira and if they can manage to get the deals over the line for Rafinha and Jesus, which is a big if, certainly with one of them, Rafinha. Um, you kind of look at that. If they do, those two do arrive and then you look at Arsenal's attacking options, it, they're suddenly looking pretty strong, I would say, because when you when you think of those players and you add Saka, Smith-Rowe, Martinelli into the mix, you've got Odegaard there as well with Vieira, you know, Eddie, who certainly showed us at the end of last season, he can make an impact in the Premier League and you would think is only going to get better. And suddenly they're just looking a hell of a lot stronger than what they've had. So mm. there's a big if and there's a, two months to go. So we'll have to wait and see how it pans out. But certainly if they can get those deals over the line with the business they've already done, I think they're going to be in a much, much stronger position attacking-wise next season. Yeah, because it, we have to overcome that that problem, that flaw uh, that we can't overturn a lead or uh, overturn a, a, um, the opposition going into the lead, obviously. And, mm. and 
you know, the more options you have to do that, surely the better. When you look at some of the benches that we had last season, particularly towards the end of the season, you're looking at someone like Nicolas Pepe, maybe, but, you know, how much faith did anyone really have in him to come on and do anything beyond that? You you had kids on the bench. The attacking side of things were, were kids uh, who were going to go on loan. Um, um, we might talk a little bit about a couple of players that have done that um, this week. Whereas if you do have that depth, if you do have that quality, you, you're much better able to impact the dynamics of a game. I know Arsene Wenger used to do it all the time, didn't he? He used to just throw on attacker after attack, take a fullback off, throw an attacker on, take another fullback off, throw an attacker on. It's not necessarily um, complicated, but when needs must, if you have those options from the bench you know, you, you've got a much better chance of dealing with, with in-game situations that aren't quite to your liking. You do. They were great times, didn't they? When you <laughs> end the game with Burkamp, Henri, Carnu, Viltor, <laughs> basically everyone, get on yeah. the pitch, or score a goal. Um, if only we had those options now. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was you're spot on. The the, the failure to overturn Leeds last season was, was just a massive thing. And you just knew, as soon as Arsenal went behind, you had no confidence. Say say the Newcastle game, yeah. once the Ben White and goal, you, you knew there was no coming back from that. And um, I think the Wolves game was the only time they did that. And obviously they're at home. That it was a little bit different. Um, but even say that's just one game. It's just not enough. And when you look at who they had on the bench, it's no real surprise because they just didn't have anyone who could change the game. And if you say you got Vieira on the bench, you got, Rafinha on the bench, things like that. And it just you just got a hell of a lot more opportunity um, to do that, and it's what Arsenal need to do if they're gonna if they're gonna because you go behind in the Premier League. <laughs> it's plain and simple. The best teams go behind. Man City mm. go behind. Liverpool go behind. But they find a way to win. They come back. They win games. And if you don't, if you can't do that, you're not going to win. So it's absolutely essential that they have that ability, especially with five subs now next season. I yeah. think the squads are going to be so so important. That five subs rule is going to make such a huge difference. It really is to the game and the options that you need to have on the bench to be able to turn the game around. And um, So Arsenal need a big squad. They need a quality squad and with the European football as well. So um, absolutely essential they get they get more faces through the door and attacking faces. Well, that's it. I mean, do you share any of the concerns? I've seen people, you know, talking online, talking on Twitter, even though you're away from social media. I'm sure you've cast an eye or two over some of the conversations that have been going on and people will be saying, well, wh- why do we need Rafinha? Why do we need that guy when we've got Bakayo Saka? Do you feel like there might be a point where too many good players is too much or are you just like, pile them in, get them in, let them battle it out for for internal supremacy, if you like, and, and see the team reap the benefits. Absolutely, pile, pile them in. I mean, we're not talking Man City or Liverpool levels here with Arsenal mm. either, are we? are just talking a few extra players. and um, So, no, you can never have enough good, you can never have enough good players, can you? Mm. You just you, you can't. So what if Bukayo Saka's already there? Do you, do you not sign Rafinha because Saka's not there? Of course not. You sign him. You, mm. you bring him in, you get as many good players. You've got competition drives players forward. And everyone wants to be in a top squad, you know. We just talked about Arsene Wenger. He already, already had Bergkamp. He already had Henri. Didn't stop him going out signing Carney. Didn't stop him going out signing Bill Todd and players like that, did it? It's just... Reyes. It's just what, it's just what he did. Yeah. And he, he built that squad that made Arsenal so, so good. And um, that's what you want to get back to. That's the level you want to, you want to get back to. And if you want to be successful on all fronts in the with the demands that are the game now especially if you're a Premier League team you have to have a strong squad plain and simple so now get them, get them all in um, this is the summer we have got to go to the next level said Mikel Arteta back in March when he, he was asked like is is this summer um, as important as the last one and he said no it's more important this this is when we need to go to the next level um, and I saw the, uh, the video with Edu I'm sure you've watched it as well where he talked about the plan that they put in place. He says, people see what happens now, you know, something like the Vieira deal. They see what happens right now, but they don't really see what comes before that and how much work goes into that. And and for us, the Vieira thing has been really, really quick because we only found out about it last Thursday. And on Tuesday, I think it was, he was announced as, as an Arsenal player. So in the grand scheme of things, you know, the way some of these deals stretch on and stretch out, it felt to us like it was really quick, but, Edu in the video said, we've been working on this for a long time. So behind the scenes, you know, they're doing things that we're not aware of. I know silence or lack of stuff in the newspapers can feel like inaction from our perspective, but 
uh, when Vieira was announced, you had Vinay there, Richard Garlic was there, Per Mertesacker was there, Edu was there, data staff, analytical staff, all those people are sort of there doing stuff in the background now. So, you know, from a fan's perspective, do you feel like they've kind of earned the trust based on what they did last summer, based on on things like this? Because, like, how hard is it these days to keep something like that as under wraps as they have? Because really everyone, yeah, everyone's looking for the story. Yeah. Every, I mean, that is difficult, isn't it? Really, really hard, especially to do it on both sides of the uh, um, both countries as well. Because it wasn't yeah. like it came out in Portugal either. You know, it was so under. It just doesn't happen nowadays. Yeah. It really doesn't. I can think of very few. I remember Callum Chambers to Villa was. You know, that was a surprise. Although there was people did know about that a couple of days before, and stories didn't come out. It's just a long story, but people there was an inkling of that um matt ryan i remember was a bit of a surprise but again he there had been a slight sort of mention mm. that it could happen i mean it happened out of the blue but there was a slight mention i mean this one was totally totally out of the blue and you know i, I imagine everyone at arsenal were very uh were very happy about it and congratulate themselves on it because they'll take quite a, quite a lot of pride out of keeping it out of the media because it's so difficult to do that nowadays mm. with all family members agents you know it's very difficult to keep everything under wraps and yeah, I mean, the work that goes into these deals is absolutely immense. There's no way they've just been sitting on their hands for the last couple of months and or since the window opened and aren't doing anything. I mean, the work that goes on first through identifying the players, the data, the analytics, the scouting, the reports, constant reports that pile up on, that get sent into the club on players, you know, who've been watched four, five, six, seven, eight times. And there's lots and lots of work going on. So there's no way no one's not doing anything. Obviously, it's... Fans are very impatient, um, especially if you kind of gauge in social media by it. And it just happens. I can understand it. Before I was doing this job, I was I was exactly the same thing. I remember I was working, what, 10 years ago now down at my local paper. And um, it was the summer of Jan and Via. And, <laughs> and, and, every, you know, and I had my uh, two screens. I was like designing paid newspaper pages on this screen. On this p- screen, I just had Twitter up like, just waiting for Jan and Via's medical to finish. <laughs> so I like, get really angry that it hadn't. So I understand it totally. It's just now I'm on the other side of it all. It's just, it, it is very hard to deal with the constant stream of <laughs> what ends up being abuse um, over it. So I can, I can understand that people get impatient, but you, I think you've got to take a step back and think that these clubs are working very hard to get the best possible squads and it's not easy. Yeah. And they are doing an awful lot of work trying to get it done. Well, I mean, look, you, you you can go back as far as you want if you remember watching football news on CFAX, Teletext, whatever yeah. it is, and like, you know, call up the 1890 numbers, whatever, Club Call or all of those. I, like that. I got me into so much trouble, mate. My dad used to go absolutely mad the amount of money. <laughs> he used to rinse on that Club Call. Why Wait, is our phone bill 600 pounds? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's it. Like that, that, that desire for um, knowledge and transfer insider stuff is, you know, it's not new, but of course, it's taken to a new level at this moment in time. But th- that that strategy that Edu talked about, that that I guess, you know, throughout last season when they looked at the squad, when they looked at what was missing, and we we could see it from the outside, you know, and it, it's obvious to everybody what was missing and what needed to happen. But I, you know, the specifics of that and how exactly. Arsenal are going to score more goals. You can say buy a striker, buy two strikers, brilliant. But of course, you also need creative players. You need players who can create goals and make chances and all of that kind of stuff. So that strategy will have been put in place by Mikel Arteta and Edu and maybe uh, some of the coaching staff over the course of of last season heading into this summer. And now, of course, the responsibility is on Edu and Richard Garlick and, and those people in those positions to get those get those deals done. Um, it doesn't mean that everything has to be fixed necessarily, does it? Because, um, I mean, what, what's your understanding of Arsenal's interest in Rafinha? Is it long-standing or is it a case that, well, we thought he was going to Barcelona, but now Barcelona don't really have the money to do anything, so maybe we can get on here? Well, I think it's certainly long-standing, but, I mean, it, it didn't really emerge until, you know, I, I hadn't got wind of it until after the, you know, after the season had finished. But mm. you would think it dates it dates back. It's not, not something I can imagine. They just suddenly decided at the end of the season they want Rafinha. Um, 
and you know, and they are very, very interested. We know they've had a bid rejected now, and I'm sure they'll go back in. I don't think you're not. If you get to the point where you're bidding once, you're not going to suddenly run away if you have that first bid rejected. Are you? you sort of go back to the Ben White deal last summer, and I think Arsenal had three or four bids rejected by Brighton before they actually finally got that deal done for him. And yeah. I expect it to be very similar with Rafinha. I don't know if it will end up being a successful chase like it was with White, but I can't imagine they're just going to. They're just going to take one rejection and, and go off and focus on other targets. I think he'd be a really good player for Arsenal. I really do. The more, the more I, I've kind of bought really into this one now, the more I think about it. I think he's a really talented player. I think he's you know still nowhere near his prime. He's kind of had two years to adjust to the Premier League now, mm. and he's ready to really kick on. I think he'd be a fantastic addition. By inference, I guess, you know, the way that we understand transfers work the, these days. I mean, officially, it's supposed to go one way, but we all know that clubs will gauge a player's interest in joining uh, yeah. before they before they do anything official. So on that basis, uh, and I'm not saying that you should know this one way or the other, but I think what we can infer is that conversations between Arsenal and Rafinha slash his agent uh, Deco and uh, what other representatives he might have mm-hmm. are promising enough that they have decided to go ahead and make a bid. Yeah, you're not going to be bidding for a player that you've been told by the agent during discussions has no interest in joining. Yeah. I, uh, so I, I would absolutely presume Arsenal being given fairly good signals from, from Deco and you know, Deco and Edu, you know, they're not new to each other. They've got mm-hmm. a relationship and, um, you'd hope that might end up working out very well for Arsenal, but yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine you, you're not bidding. You've you spent a long time speaking to the A. It's the same with Gabriel Jesus as well. You know, you, you know, when you get to the club, that's the very last point, isn't it? Yeah. You've got basically got everything set up with a player and the agent before that, and then you get to the club, and that's when you haggle over the fee and try and get the deal done. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm sure that they're being given the green light from from Rafinha's camp to try and get this one done doesn't necessarily mean that if someone else comes in and matches the offer that you know that he won't go elsewhere but you know why, why wouldn't he want to come to Arsenal I think he absolutely you know what <laughs> it would be it would be a great move for him yes he may want to add Barcelona as his priority but if you're not going to go to Barcelona then you then it's either you know if you stay up stay at Leeds or go to Arsenal and really kick on your career I think it's a very easy choice really yeah I mean Arsenal to Barcelona is not an untrodden path either is it he is still okay. relatively young so you know we could get three good years out of Rafinha and then someone know, will pull a shirt Barcelona shirt over him yeah exactly or we yeah. could you know sell him for for big money at, at that point so you know I'm I'm all in I'm like you I think he'd be a great addition I think oh. just the excitement of having that that amount of quality that amount of depth in in attacking positions would be extremely exciting you know in, in a he's season got, he's got something about him as well hasn't he he's got that bite he's got a little you know, spikiness I know, I know, yeah. I know he spilled a couple of times towards the end but you could see the passion he was playing with Leeds he wanted them to stay up so much yeah mm. I think his sort of character and his personality is just he just looks like a real winner and he really wants to kick on in his career now and I think you know 11 goals last season in the Premier League for a really struggling Leeds side was decent and after two years of Justin having those two years on the back of his on the back of him now, I think he's really ready to to step up a level, and I think I think it'd be great if Arsenal signed him. Yeah, no, I'd be all for it. And look, hopefully, you know, when we go into March, April, May of next year, we're talking about Arsenal being involved in the latter stages of a a European competition, one that you know conceivably Arsenal could win. As disappointing as it is to go out of the Champions League or not finish in the Champions League places last season. Um, I'm not saying this is any comfort or anything like that. I don't think that Arsenal are ready to win the Champions League yet. I don't think that's a, a controversial thing to say. Whereas Arsenal, if they can make those kinds of additions, would certainly be a team that would be fancied to win the Europa League. So this is where you need that depth, not just from Premier League, but you've got to cope with that schedule. You've got to cope with a World Cup in the middle of the season as well. You know, there's there's games for everyone, and as you say, the five subs rule as well makes uh, makes that makes that even more easy, doesn't it, for a manager to get get players involved and keep them involved? Because that is that is a challenge of having a bigger squad is keeping everybody bought into uh, their role in the team. Yeah, and I think that's something Arteta is going to have to improve on because I'm not sure it's been his best attribute mm. as well um, since he's come to the club. And I think certainly this you could kind of. I don't know if, he's, if it's the right word to say get away with it last season because he didn't have to use too many players in the end. But 
certainly this season, he's going to really have to use a squad. So he's going to have to keep those players that aren't playing perhaps every week in the Premier League. They're mm. going to have to, he's going to have to keep them ready to hit the ground running in the cup games if he needs them and, and things like that. He's going to, he's really going to have to get, manage that squad well, I think, next season. And it'll be interesting to see exactly how he does it because sometimes you, you, there's a bit of a criticism leveled at Arteta that if you're not really in his plans, mm. if you're not really in his day-to-day thinking, you can kind of feel like you're being left out on the outside a little bit. Yeah. And um, I think he needs to make sure that is not the case next season because everyone in that squad is going to be really vitally important, I think. I agree. Um, I thought the link to Lissandro Martinez from Ajax was a very interesting one as well because over the last couple of seasons, left back has been uh, a weakness at times, you know, and that's not to um, cast aspersions on Kieran Tierney's ability or quality as a player, but there have been issues of availability uh, which have which have hurt let's remember that um season before last he was out for the um semi-finals or the end stages of the Europa League we played with Granit Xhaka left back it didn't quite work out we didn't literally didn't have another left back in the squad because we'd let say Kalasinac go on loan and this season as well, I think we saw that there were some trust issues with regards Nuno Tavares. Uh, interestingly, just saw a story before we started recording that uh, Marseille are um, interested in taking him on loan with an option to buy. How much truth there is in that, I don't quite know. But I think if we're talking about improving the quality uh, up front, and for obvious reasons, there's no reason why that mindset shouldn't apply to positions at the back, even if... I think most people, most Arsenal fans will have a very soft spot for Kieran Tierney, but might also harbour some legitimate concerns that over the course of a very long season, he may well fall victim to injury as he has done uh, in the past. So making an improvement or making an addition in that area seems quite sensible to me. And and this guy looks like a, a very, very good player. He does, yeah, and he looks like a classic Arteta defender as well with his ability of passing and his range of passing yeah. as well. And, he can, and he's very versatile, isn't he? He's not just that one player who's going to come in and play left centre-back or left-back. He can play He can play across that defence, really. He can even play in central midfield as a defensive midfielder with his ability. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I, think, I think if Nuno Tavares does go out, and I've seen, like you, I just saw the Marseille link come up, and obviously Atlanta have spoken publicly about... The, mm. That he is a player there, but they say it's very hard to get a deal done with a Premier League club for someone like Tavares. But I think if he goes out, then you think they're definitely going to have to bring someone in. Um, and I think it'd be quite good for Tavares to go out as well. I'm I'm not sure you. I'm not sure I'm right at the point yet of thinking you ditch him for good. I still think there's a there's a player there if you can marry everything together and you can coach him really well. There's someone who could be a very good player there. I think, and I wonder if. Maybe a loan would be better for him. Give him a year playing week in week out in in a top league, and really, and then sort of assess him again next summer. But mm. I don't know. It depends what's on offer. If there is a good obligation of buy clause in there, then maybe you sort of make make a quick profit on him and and move on. But um, yeah, I think Arteta is not the type of player, not the type of manager, and not the type of man who will just settle. You know, if he's got the chance to improve anywhere on the pitch, even you know, even though the the focus is attack at the moment. If he can improve defensively, if he can get someone that he really wants defensively, he will push the club to do it. You yeah. know, he won't just sit back and accept not having the the best squad he can possibly have. He will be putting a lot of pressure on everyone to get deals done this summer. I mean, you talked about those quotes he was saying about how important this summer is and going to the next level. And 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 I thought that was just sort of classic Arteta there. You know, it was very much like we really have to do stuff this summer. It was it was very public. It was putting a bit of pressure I thought on, yeah. on the owners and that's what he wants that's what he demands and 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 he will keep pushing for that I'm absolutely sure yeah I was going to just ask you that because it's not the first time where what was the other quote we have to maximize every transfer window even when he came in first he was talking about uh, I'm paraphrasing but he was saying the only way we can get better is with better players mm-hmm. and it's been like a consistent theme throughout his tenure and on the back of being given a, a new contract last season, which is, of course, a show of faith from the club in him, it also gives him a measure of, um, what's the word? Not leverage per se, but you know what I mean? A, a sense of security uh, in his own position, whereby he can say things like this publicly, where you know we don't need to make 
squad signings. We need to make first team signings to to take us to the next level. And I mean, do you think that's a positive thing for a manager to do? Should a manager have those conversations in the background? Or is there any harm in him simply saying what everyone else knows and is thinking anyway, that for Arsenal to go to the next level, they are going to have to push a bit? Yeah, I don't think there's any harm. Certainly not what you said so far. I think, I think, like you said, everyone knows it. To be fair, he's not saying anything that's that people don't know, and I don't think he's saying anything overly controversial. And like I said, it's just the type of character he is. He absolutely wants to be the best, and he wants to have the very best players and the very best squad available that he possibly can. And he will keep pre- putting pressure on to do that. And whether they, whether they like it over in the states when they when they hear the quotes coming over, I, I have no idea. But he's got a very good relationship with the Cronkies and with Josh mm. Cronky, and um, so I don't think they overly overly mind it um, because, like I said, everything that you hear about that relationship, it's a very good working one. Um, and you know, I like it as a as a you want. I think if you're an Arsenal fan, you want to hear the manager putting a bit of pressure on the owners and calling them out and saying, "Look, we if we want to get to the next level." Which Josh comes out and says he does. Everyone, he, whenever he d- does talk, yeah, you know, he will say the same thing as Mikel, and and so it, I think it'd be a little bit odd, really, if the if the manager wasn't saying saying that when it when asked. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm 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 good with it. I have to say, you know, it's been one of the things, you know, even if over the course of the two and a half years, whatever it is, there have been some ups and downs and things that might give you some doubts the the consistency of the messaging about what he wants to do and how he wants to do it I, I've always been on board with that so um, yeah look it's it's up to the people who are working hard behind the scenes uh, to bring those players in I wonder if maybe as well um, you know we have to consider or take into account the other side of things because right now we're all focused on Gabriel Jesus and Rafinha, Lissandro Martinez, Tielemans, whoever else it is that we think we might bring in to make this squad better. Brilliant. We all we all love that, but there is work to do on the other side of things as well, isn't there? There's some big name players uh, from an Arsenal perspective that that need probably to move on this summer. Nevertheless, they are complicated situations. I mean, the, the obvious one is Nicolas Pepe, who's was so peripheral last season. Um, it looked like he said his goodbyes on the pitch after the Everton game. But at this point, we don't know who's interested, where he might be going, what kind of deal Arsenal might be able to do. I think ideally, you know, people will say, well, you know, get 20 million for him, cut your losses and and off you go. But, I mean, it might be a case that next season Nicolas Pepe is somewhere on loan with an obligation rather than someone who's sold this summer. And I think that just adds to the overall sense that uh, as a deal, as a transfer, as exciting as it was when it happened, it really hasn't worked out well for for Arsenal or for for the player. No, it's been a disaster. <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't been good. It's a shame because, like you said, the excitement when when it happened was massive, and you really thought Arsenal signed a very special player. But it just it just hasn't happened. There, there have been flashes of brilliance, and he's, he's, this the last season was a real disappointment. I think because the way he ended the previous season mm. was so good. He was scoring goals. And you wondered, you know, that he's had two seasons, he's finished really strongly. Is this the year we really see Pepe kick on? But if anything, it was the complete opposite. And whether that's all his fault or it was also just because Arteta had just kind of had enough. And so you've got pretty uh, demotivated player maybe who doesn't who doesn't think he's got the confidence of his manager. It's quite mm. tough to perform at the very best in that sort of in that sort of scenario, especially when you're only coming on every every now and again. So um, I think everyone has to kind of take a share of the blame, really, for what happened last season with Nicolas Pepe. But he's put Arsenal in a difficult position because I think the season before, if you'd have looked to sell him then, you got much more of an opportunity because he scored 17 goals, I think, that season. Mm. He scored nine in the last 11. You know, he'd look, he was hot. But this season, it's, like, it's really difficult because it's like, how... It, it just What have you got to fall back on, you know, when, mm. when you're talking to clubs? So it's very difficult to demand any sort of decent money at all when he's had such a poor season and been so on the periphery, like you said. And it's going to be it's going to be difficult. I, I honestly think what you said there, the loan with the obligation. If right now, I, I think that's the most likely looking route out for Pepe this summer. I mean, he will absolutely want to go. He switched agents at the end of last season, you know, yeah. with the idea of getting a, getting himself a move this summer. But it's just not going to be easy, a because of the money he's on. 
B, because of a potential transfer fee that Arsenal would want to get. You, I mean, you signed him for 72 million three mm. years ago. You want to get something, you know, rather than giving him away. Um, and so it's it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out because there's not really been any sort of links yet with Pepe. And you kind of look, is a way back to France possible? Luis Campos, kind of dream scenario. Luis Campos has just gone mm. back, to, has gone to PSG. Could he imagine a scenario of getting him back to France for them and him performing like he did in Ligue 1 a few years ago? I don't know. Again, that's just a dream scenario, really. There's no basis to it. It's just going to be really difficult. And it is, like you said, the, the issues that Arsenal have got and that Edu's got, it's not just about incomings this summer. You've got to, you've got to sort out Bert Leno. You've got to sort out um, Nicholas Pepe, like you said. You've got the Tavares thing going on as well. So there's there's a lot of issues. You've got Bukayo Saka's contract. You've got Gabriel Martinelli's contract. It's not just about um, incomings. There's an awful lot of work for Edu and Richard Garlick and everyone to sort out this summer. And, um, and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out. But I think Pepe is the most interesting one. I mean, Hector Bellerin as well. You forget about yeah. Hector Bellerin. And Lucas Torreira, you know, another Lucas one. Torreira. I, mean, that, I think that Arsenal was so disappointed over what's happened with with Fiorentina, you know, they thought that was pretty much a given that that was going to happen. And to suddenly it not happen. And then you're left with the player and, you know, oh, it's just another thing to add to the workload to try and find him another club. You'd think it wouldn't be difficult because he had such a good year in Italy last season that other Italian clubs would be sniffing around, but, but we'll have to wait and see with that one. I mean, Bellerin, I don't think Bellerin's going to be the most difficult, but it all kind of depends on him really, because it's, it's going to be about him, accepting a wage that is far, far lower. He did it for a year last season. Mm. Kind of basically was on about four million, I think, at Arsenal. He went down to like a million at Betis. So he just, you know, you're taking that much of a wage cut. And I know people will look at that and say, well, you're still earning a million. But if you've got financial commitments at the level that you might have if you're sure. earning that sort of money, then it's very difficult to suddenly just accept a, you know, you basically get a quarter of what you were getting before. So they're going to have to work that out. He's going to have to work that out. Arsenal won't block any move. And it's just a case of he can, if he can agree something with Betis or if not Bet- Betis, another Spanish club, just to get him out. I think he will do because he absolutely wants to leave. So, yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they, those lone players, you kind of, you look at the first team at the moment, the squad, mm. it doesn't have all those first, those loanies kind of listed. And you kind of forget that there's all of that to deal with. I mean, Guendouzi, I think that will be announced. I was actually expecting it to be announced this week. Um, I'm not sure if it uh, uh, will now, but um, I was expecting it last week. I was told it was probably going to be announced this week, but it's already done and confirmed. And uh, so that's going to be sort of 9 million in, but then the rest of them are going to be a lot more difficult. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like Arsenal... Um, like I've got a lot of sympathy for the for the Torreira situation, for example. You know, you loan him, you agree something, they back out at the the last minute. That's a pain in the arse, you know. Um, but as a selling club, you know, the, maybe the perception of of Arsenal is is a little difficult, and maybe we have a little while to go before we can really change that for the better, if you like, because you have situations where you can say, well, Arsenal should stand firm. They should get as much money as they possibly can for X player, Y player, whatever it might be. But these things can drag on. They can be a bit of a distraction as well when there's other stuff to do. Like there's an argument that says, look, if something that comes along that's in the ballpark of what you want, you should pretty much, you know, accept it. Someone like Bellerin, do you help facilitate his departure? You know, does he get a payoff? Does that payoff go to, you know, offsetting whatever wage cut he's going to get? Is that smart business? But then it's maybe a consequence of the squad building over the last number of years where we're uh, continuously in these kind of situations. And maybe it's true of other clubs as well that they find it difficult to get rid of players Um too i you know i don't pay enough close attention to all the deals that are done by other clubs but i mean look at what chelsea are doing with lukaku there's a fucking disaster of a move a disaster yeah. of a transfer and and they're going to lose a, a lot of money but of course you know a we like that when it happens to chelsea and b you know they're sort of in a position where it doesn't really matter too much to them even if the ownership has changed but you know this this idea that maybe we need to think about how we sell to help facilitate how we buy, it has to be part of the conversation internally, right? Because Arsenal are spending, 
like if they spend 40 million for Gabriel Jesus, if they spend 40, 45 million for Rafinha, if they spend another 30 million for uh, Lissandro Martinez, that's a that's a substantial outlay on top of the uh, the money that they spend for Vieira. So as much as we might say, look, just get these deals done, get them out, get them, that money's important, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you ask the Cronkies, it's, it's, yeah. certainly, it's not really important to us and to fans. But, um, but yeah, to the way the club is run, I mean, it's a business at the end of the day, and they've got to get better at it because they've been awful for too long. And the fact they've had to just consistently give players away, pay players to leave, and these are not just, you know, normal players. These are massive players as well they've had to mm. do it to. And, you know, they've got themselves into a right fix time and time again with contract situations, and they've just not been good enough at it. And you kind of look at the money that they've earned on players in the last few years and compare it to the likes of Liverpool to Chelsea, and it's just so far behind. And, and when you're not in the Champions League and you haven't got the extra money of the Champions League revenue, you need other other sources of income and selling players well mm. is going to be key to that. And I think you kind of look at you look at the transfer strategy that Arsenal have got now and the change we've seen in the last year, two years, it, I think it's absolutely key to that. You know, these players aren't going to be coming on, certainly not a lot of them are not going to be coming on a massive, massive wages like Vieira, for example. You know, he's not going to be, he's not going to be on 100, 150 grand a week. Far from it. He'll be on half that. And a that'll make it, it makes it easier to sell if it doesn't work. But also, it, mm. you, know, you can then, if he does warrants a warrants a rise in the future, then it's you'll be able to get it. You look at Nicolas Pepe now, the situation Arsenal are in. Did he really deserve that sort of money when he came a few years ago? When he just had a couple of good seasons for Lille in in League One, did he deserve to be on one hundred, given one hundred and fifty grand a week by Arsenal at, at that stage? You look at it and think, no, mm. he didn't. Uh, but that was how Raúl did things, and. And Arsenal are paying for it now, and um, and it's been that way for for quite a long time. So, I think they've learned from it, and I think the strategy that we're now seeing them use is evidence of that. And hopefully, in the future, they're going to be an awful lot better because they'll sell. You would think they're going to find it easier to sell. Um, their players aren't going to be old and tied, you know, tight, sort of getting towards 30, 31, 32 on long term contracts. Um, and, you know, I'm all for it. I think it's a good strategy and it's one that the club's needed for a long time. Do you think um, the, you know, you talked about the strategy last season, which was bring in young players. And that's kind of the strategy again this season. Young, young-ish players. It's not youth. It's young players, young players with, with experience. But also over the last couple of years, we've seen that from the Arsenal Academy, Players have come in and done extremely well. Bakayo Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe, Eddie Nketiah took a step forward last season. Academy boy, and he's got his new contract, and he's got his number 14. And the idea that maybe Arsenal's academy, you know, the fact that Arsenal might be perceived as a young club would be good for... Uh, selling players from our academy. I just noticed James uh, from Gunner Blog is, is reporting that Daniel Ballard is yeah. going to go to Burnley. Um, you know, a player who we've had who went on loan, who did very well on loan. I don't know what the fee is or anything like that, but, you know, could generate you some money. We've seen uh, Micah Beerith and Omar Ekic go off on uh, on loan this season to the Eredivisie. And you can look at the youth team, you can look at the youth section on, on arsenal.com and everyone will go, oh, I know that guy, oh, I hear he's good, I know, oh, that guy, everyone talks about him. But of course, there's a, there's a finite number of spaces available in your squad, only so many young players are going to come through. So in, in particular with reference to those two loans that I mentioned, those guys that are going to the Eredivisie to play for a season and good luck to them, hope they do really well, you know, it gives them a better chance at Arsenal, but is being smarter about getting those players out on loan at an earlier age a way of making the academy more of a revenue-generating thing? So you're always going to have a problem if you're trying to sell a Pepe or a Torreira or even a Bernd Leno. You know, the Bellerin situation, he is an academy player who came through but, you know, is heading towards the last year of his contract. But being a bit more proactive when it comes to selling players at that level, at that age might well prove quite lucrative for Arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the model that Arsenal are working at with the, with the loan department now. You know, it's been a big shift mm. in that in the last few years. And Ben Knapp has been key to that. And that's why he was brought in to really sort of change the way that the loan market works for Arsenal. They had to take advantage of it. They were lagging so far behind Chelsea in that. You know, the money that Chelsea made from, the, from loans and doing successful loans and then selling those players on who, although had done very well on loan, they weren't 
just they just weren't going to make it into the first team because, like you said, there's only mm. a few spots available. And um, you know, Arsenal's academy is fantastic and it produces lots and lots of good players, and they haven't taken advantage of that for uh, enough in recent years. But they're beginning to now. And you talk about Daniel Ballard there. I mean, it, you know, I think Daniel's going to be sort of held up as as the kind of poster boy for that because it's been so, the last, it's just worked exactly as Arsenal wanted it with Daniel Ballard for, for the last couple of years. He went to Blackpool, did really, really well in League One, got himself his championship move last season, did really, really well there, and now they're selling him for a good amount of money. Um, and on top of that, they've got matching rights clause included in it, sell-on clause included in it. You know, it's going to be a very, very good deal for that for Arsenal. And they're going to look, that's the kind of deal you want to do all the time with these players, and that's how you want to utilise the low market. Mm. And... Um, you know, you look at the players that have gone now. I mean, Beerif's only just arrived at the club, so he's had, he's had a year, done very well, and going out. And same with Rekic, to be honest. So you can't rule them out coming back and making an impact with Arsenal because it could it, it yeah. could happen. But um, kind of like where Emil Smith Rowe, obviously that loan at Huddersfield worked worked really well for him. When we came back. You talk to anyone at the club about that, and the difference in him when he came back from that loan was just huge. The belief, the confidence. The fact he'd been playing senior football, that really took him on a level mm. and sort of prepared him for Arsenal. But sometimes it doesn't happen like that and they're just not going to get in. And that's when you've got to take advantage of the loans, get them in the shop window, get them playing, and then you can sell them for a decent amount of money, include the clauses that you want. And it's just a constant revenue stream coming out of coming out of Hale End. And that's why you invest in Hale End. It's not just about getting them into Arsenal. That's the dream, obviously. That's what you yeah. want. But it happens with so few players. But you, what you invest in it, to be able to get money back, make money back out of that investment by selling on these players that you've trained up and put a hell of a lot of investment and a hell of a lot of work over the years to get them to the point where they're ready, maybe not for Arsenal, but ready to make a big impact in professional football. Yeah, and and when you look at some of the names that have um, come through the academy and gone on to you know establish themselves over the last number of years in particular, you look at someone like Daniel Malin, uh, uh, player players like that who you know, were not completely and utterly schooled at Arsenal, but I think you would say Arsenal didn't quite get the value from their talent that they should have, even if they let, even if they let those players go. You know what I mean? So sell-on clauses, things like that, um, you know, making sure that you maximise whatever potential revenue you can get from these players is, is really important. It, yeah, it really is. And like I said, Chelsea have been so mm. far ahead of everyone else in that regard. I mean, streets ahead for a long time now, but clubs are beginning to rise up to it and Arsenal certainly have. It's been a massive shift in the last couple of years and I think we're beginning to see we're beginning to see the improvements sort of paying off now. And, you know, as I said, I think the Ballard the Ballard move to Burnley, which is a great move for him. And I and I'm really happy for Daniel. I, I interviewed him not long ago and his story at Arsenal is pretty remarkable one. You know, twice he got pretty much told, right, you're out, you're released. Twice he fought his way back, got himself into the got himself sort of in and around it, got his loan moves, worked really hard on loan, and now he's got himself an excellent move here to a, to a club managed by Vincent Company, who was very, very key to getting this deal done. You know, Ballard, there was other clubs interested, lots of other clubs, in fact. Um, one especially, it was kind of got whittled down to the last two, and um, and the decision was taken earlier on in the week where it was going to go, and the other club hugely disappointed miss out on him. And, you know, that, that kind of shows that how... It shows how well he's done in the last couple of years, and I think it's a great move for him. Vincent Company coming down, you know, Burnley only just come down a real design on going back up, and mm. you know, no one deserves it more, I think, than Daniel Ballard. And so, good luck to him. All right, good luck to him, and and uh, you know, there'll be some other players I think going out on loan uh, this summer who will obviously keep a close eye on uh, throughout next season. Right, we'll leave it there. I will let you go to not look at social media, uh, but as ever, Charles Watts, thanks very much. Thanks, mate. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Thank you very much indeed to Charles. You can find him on Twitter. He is at Charles underscore Watts, at Charles underscore Watts. And he writes about Arsenal for goal.com. Right, well, that is just about that for this week's show. There don't appear to be any late-breaking surprises on a Thursday afternoon as I'm recording this to get it ready for you tomorrow in terms of transfers. Now I feel a bit like, ooh, should I have said that out loud? Because by saying it, maybe I'm going to make something happen. And if something happens, I've got to cover it on the podcast. But that's now inconvenient. But on the flip side, something will be happening. I'm a bit torn here now. Maybe I'll just delete this. No one will ever hear it, so they don't know. And if nothing happens, I can't be blamed for jinxing it. But if something happens, I can pretend like I was prepared all along. It's win-win for me on this one. So, yes, I think I'll just delete that bit. Hope you enjoyed the show, folks. Have yourselves a great weekend, whatever you're up to. James and I will be here on Monday with an Arsecast Extra, so please join us for that. In the meantime, take it easy, and we will catch you on the next one. Cheers. Bye-bye. Dear Arsenal Football Club, I am writing to you to express my deep dismay over a matter of grave, grave importance. While I commend you on the arrival of new footballer Fabio Vieira, I must take umbrage at the apparel worn by Edu Gaspar, the club's so-called technical director. I realize I'm a man of a certain generation. Nevertheless, were I a highly skilled professional athlete, and I was greeted by a man who looked like a vagabond in torn denims, I would just turn around and walk the other way. We can only be so thankful that young Master Vieira is not quite as discerning in such matters. Nevertheless, I implore you to recommend to Mr. Gaspar a decent pair of slacks before the next arrival, lest that particular player have some standards of his own. You might also suggest that he tucks his shirt in, and if I may be so bold, a blazer wouldn't hurt. If you would be so kind as to pass on my complaint to the relevant department, I would indeed be most grateful. I am, sir, your faithful servant, Mr. Peter Wrangler-Levi Cricklewood. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 